How to get back on track with your goals and your habits. Seven strategies that actually work. That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Let me ask you something. Have you spent days, weeks or months carefully cultivating a habit that's going to lead you to a certain goal and then you've suddenly slipped up? Maybe you were planning on writing a book and you wrote every single day, 300 words every day for about two months and then life happened and you missed a day. Has that happened to you? Did you throw your hands up in the air and just say, okay, that's it, I'm done, I'm never gonna write that book? Because that's happened to me more times than I care to admit. And I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. It happens to almost all of us. In fact, I can't think of anyone it hasn't happened to. But you know the people that are most successful, they are not the kind of people who never miss a day. They are really good at getting back on the horse after they've missed one day and staying with the habit over the long term. They tend to be great at understanding that this is a marathon and not a sprint. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you seven strategies that actually work when it comes to building habits that are sustainable and help you to achieve your goals. Are you ready? Strategy number one, get enough sleep. According to the US Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 30% of 40.6 million Americans sleep for six hours or less a day. The ping of our smartphones has a lot to do with these poor sleep patterns. Most of us require at least seven hours of sleep to have our brains functional and for us to be performing in the most efficient manner we can be. You see, the brain does a lot of house cleaning when you're asleep. Poor sleep impacts almost every area of our lives, including moods, our memory, our capacity to think clearly, and the list goes on. It even increases our risk of getting strokes and heart disease. So here are three action steps you can take to set yourself up for a good night's sleep. Set up a wind down routine about two hours before you'd go to bed where you engage minimally with devices. This reduces exposure to something called blue light, which can affect your sleep patterns and your circadian rhythms. Step two, reflect on how your day was while you're journaling towards the end of the day. This helps you to debrief with yourself and to unwind the knots that can potentially come back to haunt you while you're trying to fall asleep. It allows you to put a nice bow on everything that happened in the day and put it to bed, no pun intended, so that you can prepare yourself for the next day. And leading on from that, plan the next day the night before, after you've finished your review. That way you go to bed knowing what you're gonna be working on, what the biggest and most important things you want to achieve are the next day, and then your subconscious can work on it as you sleep. Okay, strategy number two, use time boxing to your advantage. One of my mentors once told me, if it's not in your calendar, it's not gonna happen. Now, obviously that's not 100% true, but I think what he was trying to say was, put everything that you need to do in your calendar and set time boxes. And that way you know what you need to be doing at a specific time. What that also does is reduce the likelihood that you overestimate what you can achieve in one day. It's believed that Bill Gates once said, most of us overestimate what we can achieve in one day and underestimate what we can achieve in 10 years. So one way to get around that is to put it in your calendar. Now, one quick tip, make sure you weave in a few breaks between your 
work sprints as well. And we do this in our Productive Insights membership program where we actually have sprints together where we work in 25-minute increments. You can do that yourself. Set up the Pomodoro technique. You can head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 190 to get a proper rundown on the Pomodoro technique and how you can apply it in your life or business. Now, in my conversation with James Clear in episode 175, we talked about the importance of setting a specific time and place where you are going to complete your habit. So the time boxing method fits in really well with implementing this particular approach that James Clear suggested. And this is more likely to make sure that you get back on track even after you've fallen off the wagon, as it were, in terms of sticking to your habit and accomplishing your goal. Okay, so here are the action steps for strategy number two, which is time boxing. When you're planning for tomorrow, make sure you include all your habits, including the one you may have missed yesterday, into your schedule and time box each of them on your calendar. I want you to also put down the place where you'll do it. So when you commit to a time and a place where you will complete the habit, you are more likely to get back on track and to achieve your goals. As you're doing this time boxing and you're planning for the next day, you may notice feelings of guilt or regret coming up because you missed your habit yesterday. I want you to notice these feelings as sensations in your body and sit with them and watch them until they dissipate. It's important to go through this process because it is a way to come to terms with missing out on a habit, but not throwing out the baby with the proverbial bathwater. And staying with the marathon the long term. You know what I mean? I often notice when I consciously pay attention to any feelings of guilt or regret that come up, and they do very often when I'm going through this debriefing session at the end of the day and planning for the next day, I notice that if I'm able to sit with them, sometimes I journal about them, I find that I'm able to come to terms with the process of sometimes slipping up, but not letting go of the whole marathon. Okay, strategy number three, show up in small ways and acknowledge every effort regardless of how small. Further to my previous point, one of the biggest demotivators is all or nothing thinking. You know, where you feel like you missed one day and you just throw your hands up in the air and you abandon the whole process. I've observed this all or nothing thinking in myself and a lot of people I've worked with over the years. It's far more common than you probably realize. And a great way to overcome this all or nothing thinking is to acknowledge and give yourself credit for when you show up because those little acknowledgements add up over time. It actually works in a pretty similar way to practicing gratitude. My recommendation is to journal every day if possible, and write down what you achieved and how you showed up in that day. Congratulate yourself for your little victories because there are plenty of those that happen in the day and we often don't acknowledge them enough. We tend to only look at the things we missed out on or we didn't do well, and that isn't very constructive. You see, self-efficacy is a really big deal when it comes to building your confidence and sustaining behaviors over the long term. And acknowledging your successes helps you build that self-efficacy. It's one of the strongest motivators we have access to. Okay, so action steps. Write down three things you're grateful for every day. Make sure one of those three things is how you showed up in a little way today 
that will help you get towards your long-term goal. It doesn't matter how little. Maybe you wrote one sentence in your journal. Maybe you wrote a word. Maybe you were kind to somebody you didn't want to be kind to. Acknowledge every little bit that you've put into your day. That will help you over the long term. Okay, strategy number four. Use your tribal instincts to your advantage. We are social creatures. Something that we are hardwired to do is to not let each other down. It wasn't until relatively recently in the scheme of things that we were running around in tribes. And for us to survive, we had to be in good standing with the tribe. And our brains and our neural systems have developed around that imperative. So a great way to get back on track with your habits if you've fallen off the wagon is to use your tribal instincts, to use accountability, to get other people in your community or your tribe to keep you focused on the long-term goal. In episode 147, I spoke to Noah Kagan about various things. And one of the things I talked about was this course that I had been procrastinating on. And Noah held my feet to the fire and he said, how about we make a deal? If you don't publish that course in a certain period of time, you have to give me $1,000. Now, I didn't want to pay $1,000 for procrastinating. And guess what? I published the course. It was called the Premium Productivity Course. And for a little while, I sold it for 497 US dollars. You could buy it standalone, but now it's only available inside the Productive Insights Membership Program, which you can find out more about at ProductiveInsights.com slash membership. Now, while this approach did work with Noah, it's not something that I'm a big fan of. You know, when you look at the carrot and the stick approach, I'm not a big fan of the stick. I prefer the carrot, the incentivizing aspect of getting people to be accountable. And this is where I think having an accountability partner on an ongoing basis is a great thing. So for example, you often see people tend to get accountability partners when they go to the gym. Sometimes it's in the form of a coach, a fitness coach who they're paying money to. And if the fitness coach sees that they haven't showed up at a certain time that has been agreed upon, they'll give you a call or they'll SMS you. So that's a positive accountability agreement. I have a goal with one of my colleagues where I have to publish a newsletter every week. So far, it's been working pretty well. I've been sticking to more or less a weekly cadence in terms of my newsletter because I know somebody else is expecting to read that newsletter. And there's no money changing hands here. It's just a commitment. I'm harnessing my tribal instincts. Okay, so here's your action step for strategy number four. Reach out to somebody you trust and ask them if they are open to the idea of you checking in with them to confirm that you've completed your habit or alternatively have them check in with you each day to confirm that you've completed your habit. Maybe they send you an SMS each day and say, hey, have you done this thing you said you were going to do? Or better still, if it's something like a newsletter, maybe you add them to your mailing list and they make sure that they receive that newsletter at the given time. And if they haven't, they pick up the phone and call you or they SMS you. I find that's a great way to be accountable. It creates very strong bonds between people and it helps both of you to progress. And by the way, I believe in reciprocity. Having a reciprocal agreement with this other person where you check in with them on one of their habits, that works even better. So I strongly recommend that. That way you can help each other. Okay, strategy number five, become aware of your underlying narrative or the story that you tell yourself often subconsciously. We're not always conscious of the stories that we tell ourselves, but a lot of these stories and these belief systems have formed when we were really young. They operate at a level that 
doesn't even access our frontal lobes beyond language, but they still influence decisions we make. So having a regular practice where you examine your behaviors and consider the assumptions that are driving these behaviors or the beliefs that are driving these behaviors helps you unearth these stories that are often embedded very deeply in your subconscious and are controlling your day-to-day -day behavior without you realizing it. I'm talking about mindfulness. So here's an example. I often feel very uneasy about creating videos like this one. Before I sit down to create a video, I ask myself, why am I feeling uncomfortable? I go through the process of examining my beliefs. Often what comes up for me is I feel like a bit of a fraud. Why should someone listen to me? What makes me an authority on the subject? But when I examine these beliefs and these assumptions and these narratives, and I challenge them, I find that I often get relief from these limiting beliefs. The truth is, I have spent 15 years in the corporate world. I have done an MBA. I got a distinction average in it from a leading business school in Australia. I completed my CPA. Sure, I'm not saying I'm the bee's knees and I'm not the brightest person in the world, but I've put the hours in and I certainly have got some credibility around business and strategy and marketing and so on. I've been immersed in the digital marketing world for the last 10 years. I've interviewed some of the leading minds in the world like Seth Godin and Guy Kawasaki. And I've learned a lot from these people. So when you can bring up certain assumptions, examine those assumptions and then challenge them with facts, facts around achievements that you have made in your life, you will probably find that voiceless narrative that is controlling a lot of your behaviors starts to lose its power over you. So it's very important to examine your behaviors, think about the assumptions that are driving those behaviors and question those assumptions. These narratives are pretty hard to bring to the surface and they tend not to show themselves unless you examine your behaviors and you proactively question them. Journaling is a great way to do this. So here's your action step for strategy number five. Examine a habit that you tend to fall off the wagon with fairly often and ask yourself, is there a subconscious narrative that is stopping me from showing up and completing this habit every day or every week or however often you've committed to doing it? Write about it, journal about it, think about it, spend time trying to bring it up into your conscious and examine the behavior that will kick off a process of self-discovery and you will probably gradually eliminate that narrative and that limiting belief that is stopping you from showing up in a way that is best for you. Now, once you've uncovered this narrative, start to change the narrative, change the story you're telling yourself because now you've examined it. It's in your conscious mind. Tell yourself a different story. This is not going to happen overnight. It's taken you years to get to this point. It's probably going to take months, if not years to reverse. So you need to be persistent and you need to be consistent. Get your mind to embrace this new underlying story. Now, a great way to also embrace a different narrative is to adopt an alter ego. I spoke to Todd Herman in episode 176 about the alter ego effect and how he has used it in his life to harness superhuman ability that most of us have, but most of us don't realize. The mind is a very powerful thing. A lot of people have used this approach to be very successful. Beyonce had Sasha Fierce, David Bowie had Ziggy Stardust, The Beatles had Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which went on to become an album and is considered one of the landmark albums in modern Western musical history. Okay, strategy number six, cultivate the habit of making conscious choices in each present moment. Focusing on the fact that we can make conscious choices in each moment for the most part creates a sense of agency, a sense of self-efficacy, and sometimes allows you to impose a certain sense of urgency so you can beat the feelings of inertia 
and fear, which often lead to procrastination. Once you've implemented step five, which we talked about earlier, which is all about examining the underlying narratives and changing them, you now will have freed up some emotional energy, which will allow you to focus fully in each present moment and make better choices in each present moment. So your action steps for strategy number six, check out the book, Your Erroneous Zones by Wayne W. Dyer, where he talks about the importance of living in each present moment and making choices in each present moment. That was one of the most powerful books I've read in a long time. And I often go back to it over and over again. And your second action step relating to strategy number six is make a choice to be in the moment and give yourself with complete abandon while you're completing a certain task, be fully in that moment. You'll find that will give you a greater sense of agency and increase your engagement and your efficacy and help you to get more momentum towards your goals. You'll also find this will help you to get into flow states more easily. Okay, and the final strategy, number seven, organize your physical and digital environment so it supports you in your behaviors. Be meticulous about your environment. It is one of the most effective ways to increase the likelihood that you will stick to your habits and achieve your goals. As James Clear says very eloquently in his book, Atomic Habits, we tend to overestimate our ability to exercise our own willpower and self-discipline when it comes to sticking to our habits and achieving our goals. The truth is our environment has a lot more to do with our success than we would probably like to admit. And frankly, organizing an environment that minimizes friction to achievement is just easier in the long term. I mean, do you notice it's harder to concentrate when you have a really messy desk? And do you notice when you approach a desk that is nice and clean and you've prepared it the previous night or the next morning, you feel a little bit more welcome? You'll notice a lot of high-end stores, like Apple stores, for example, are very sparse. They have a very austere kind of environment and it really embraces minimalism. They have a sort of an understated but beautiful simplicity to them. Try and build an environment in your workspace that is like that. If you haven't used something for a long time and it's sitting on your desk, find a place to put it so you don't see a whole lot of a mess when you're working. And that will probably promote better idea generation or innovation. You'll also find it easier to get into states of flow. Your environment is important in most other areas of your life too. As James Clear said to me, if you want to watch less TV, then have your lounge facing away from the television. If you want to use your iPhone less, then change the settings to grayscale and you're less likely to be attracted to it. If you don't want to consume content on your iPhone in the middle of the night, or as you fall asleep, put your iPhone in a different room. It is difficult at first, but as time goes on, it gets easier and easier and you start to feel a sense of freedom. Okay, so action steps for strategy number seven. Using the time boxing approach we talked about earlier, put an action step in your calendar for each day to clean your desk and prepare it for the next day so that when you come to work the next day, your desk is nice and clean and you feel calm and settled. Having a clean desk is a great way to welcome your future self. Action step number two for strategy number seven, change your iPhone to grayscale. And if you're using an Android phone, I believe you can do that too, but I don't use one, so I don't know how to change it. But I'm sure if you Google that, you'll find out how to do it. So there you have it, seven strategies to get back on track to achieving your goals, even if you've slipped up with your habits or your goals for a day or more. This has been Ash from ProductiveInsights.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody else. Please subscribe. Please leave a comment below and I'll see you in the next video. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening.